Okay, we are back with a new episode on the Don't Get Lippy podcast, and I am so, so happy to announce that I have Stav with me today. Stav and I have been in contact for a number of years over on the Don't Get Lippy Instagram page, and I have finally got her um, to be able to chat and share her story with you today. So Stav, thank you for joining me. If you could just introduce yourself, give a little bit of background history to you and your family, and We'll go from there. Yeah, sure. No problem. No problem at all. Uh, my name is Stav Stavruna. Economy uh, or Papaspiri? No, I'm not sure which one. Papaspiri, I'm recently married. <laughs> um, and I am recently 30. So, yep, 19th baby out here. Uh, I was born into a Greek and Cypriot family in London. Uh, we, we've got a very big family behind me. So um, that's kind of probably why I'm such a talker and, and why I am uh, the way I am. Love that. Um, so mum and dad at home, sisters, brothers? Yes, so I have my parents, mum and dad at home, and a younger sister, so just the two of us, and we are very different, but very similar in certain ways. Um, so obviously 90s baby, um, and you were born with a cleft. Could you tell me what type of cleft you were born with to start with? Yeah, of course. So I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate uh, to obviously my parents, and they they didn't really know what that was when they very first, you know, saw me. Um, but obviously now they do. They've, they've had a very long journey with me these 30 years and, you know, long may it continue. Absolutely. So mum and dad um, didn't know about your cleft before you were born? No, they, they didn't have um, any idea really I don't believe that they had the technology back then really to kind of see in the sonograms because obviously my mum was going to regular hospital appointments but I don't think that they picked up on it back then yeah I'd agree I suspect that it may have been probably a bit more up to date than mine uh, with my mum but it was very much the basics of heart is working brain is functioning great um so it's similar in a sense that you were born and then it was like okay this is not what we were expecting let's let's crack on and have you ever asked mum and dad if you if they were aware of clefts before you were born yeah I have they they certainly didn't really know what what a cleft was and what it entailed and and all of the complications that come with having a child with clefts especially as I was the first born so for them it was quite a big shock Uh, and again it's something that people don't expect I guess in, in a pregnancy when they haven't really been let's say shown images or even really known someone to live with it so I think for them as in in our family we we never had a strain of of cleft I was probably the first one so now obviously when when family members are having children they do mention you know we do have uh you know a sister cousin niece who who you know has has a cleft and we just check for that which I think they do now anyway in in most most uh sonograms yes as far as I'm aware in the 20 week scan around there it's um something that is um routinely checked for now um but I suspect with our kind of histories and like you say sort of family history now it's probably something that they keep an eye on from early stages and so Greek Cypriot background and big big family um what was your family's approach to you being born with a cleft um were you treated any differently to cousins at the time was your sister ever treated differently to you um what was your mum and dad's approach with them um that's a good question I don't think that I was ever treated differently I think it was actually more we're going to treat this child the same way as we would you know my sister who wasn't born 
with Ekanafnip and Panet. Um, and obviously she was the younger one. So for her, it wasn't as, let's say, they didn't have as much, I guess, uh, to kind of deal with, with my sister in terms of hospital appointments and constant, you know, um, operations and having to take time off of work and, and things like that throughout my childhood anyway. But with my cousins, I mean, I have 20, 25 probably 30 cousins um that's just first and second because we are also pleasure our second cousins when you're a group separate family so that's why i have such a packed social calendar just full of family things on the weekend but no they, they never treated me differently um i wouldn't say they singled me out at all i was very much kind of just part one of the family did mum and dad ever talk to you as you were growing up and say you know you were born with this condition this may make other people say things or stare like was it an open conversation or was it very much you know we kind of deal with the hospital appointments and then you go back to school and we crack on and then we'll deal with the next one when it comes up yeah i think it was definitely the second uh, approach it wasn't it wasn't as spoken about it wasn't as though it was swept under the carpet or anything like that but you know if if I did have a problem I did feel that I could at least go to them and they would you know hopefully be there for me depending on on what what situation was but it wasn't really a conversation that constantly kind of came up it was just kind of right crack on let's get through this and I think to be fair that's where I've got my you know sense of work ethic and just okay crack on with it even if you're ill just do what you can you know so obviously you were born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate did you have um or can I ask how many surgeries you've had have you had many therapies like speech and language any interventions any further surgeries to the standard um if you could explain about that yeah of course so I think in terms of operations I have definitely run out of numbers I'm not sure how many that I've had I've definitely blocked a lot of that out from childhood I think I I found it quite probably traumatic as as a kid really because you're kind of a kid that suddenly becomes a bit of an adult you don't really have that childhood that you know most other children may have um growing up so I think I've had I want to say in the 20-23 surgeries probably from when I was younger to when I was 25 Um, So the last five years have been nice not to have anything, you know, happen. But that was also because a couple of them were obviously maybe more than what you would standardly have. I I had an issue with my hearing, so I had probably maybe six operations just there on grommets over the 20 years of my life because they kept coming out and obviously having to go back in. Um, And then on top of that, the bone graft and, and all of the other standard operations that you have where they cleft um, lip and palate. But yeah, I want to say around the 2023 mark. The worst one for me was the jaw surgery. The jaw realignment, I I really struggled with because I was, I want to say 18, 19 at the time, and I should have been going to university, but I took out the year, gap year for particularly this surgery. And they told me to at Great Ormond Street Hospital, which were, by the way, wonderful. They were, they were brilliant with the care, but they asked me to take a year out. And they said, you know, I take three to six months of recovery. Let's just see how you go. And then I didn't get the hospital date until I think it was June of the year after. So I was like, oh, God, I'm going to uni now in three months time. And I'm about to have this operation, which they told me to have earlier on, um, which was quite a struggle, I think, mentally, because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to uni, I'm going to meet all these new people, and I don't know how I'm going to look. Um, I think mentally, that was probably the hardest one when you're older and you remember and you really, really feel the pain more. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you and I may have, maybe have had that conversation about dual surgery because it was something that I um, looked into and then thought, I don't know if I've actually got the strength to do it. So fair play to you for doing that. Um, so obviously you went to uni. If we can go back a few years, how was school? Yeah, school, yeah. So, I mean, for the most part, school was okay. I was kind of that child who kind of put their head down, got on with things quite quiet. I wasn't I wasn't really, let's say, the centre of attention or popular kid at school by by all means. Um but I would say I actually really looked forward to the days off that I used to get when I would go on my appointments or dentist appointments or anything that I was outside of school. I was really happy, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um it was spent it meant I got to spend a day with either either one of my parents. Um, and we had a great kind of time in a way. It shouldn't be that way, but you know what I mean. They made it kind of seem as though it's not too clinical. Yeah. Um, but in terms of school, I'm just trying to think back now, really. Like, I, I was okay. I mean, I would say primary was probably better than secondary. I, I Like I said, I do remember, like I said, being excited for appointments. But I think I always felt different to all the other kids at that age. Let's say, you know, from primary, how old are you? Five till ten or I think it's eleven. Yeah, I, I always knew that I... I was different um from everyone else in the school because I was the only one who was constantly being off for appointments no one else was around me so I never got the attendance award which I remember that always thinking in my head I never got that biscuit which I really wanted because I was never there for you know however long that we had the uh the school the school for but um yeah I remember that kind of thing I felt more grown up than my years and I, I felt really hard to probably make friends that were my age because they weren't going through the same thing as me so I couldn't really have someone to talk to and say oh you know how was your weekend what were you up to and, and some people who are you know hanging out with their friends I, I didn't really have that I had clinical things and things to wor- not worry about as a kid but it, it does worry because you're thinking oh god when is the next operation going to happen when am I going to have to be kind of out of action again and on soft food again you know I think that was definitely uh, a thing in my mind I just felt older boy on my ears did you ever um experience any sort of bullying through school or because especially in secondary where you kind of kept your head down and got on with work um was it easy to kind of stay away from those sorts of situations yeah I think in primary I remember a few comments here and there being made by other kids maybe why does she drink like that or why does she have a, a weird voice or you know I mean I remember comments but I wouldn't say it was full on bullying in in primary school because I think kids weren't really they're just curious yeah they're just asking I had I had questions put it that way definitely more curious questions but then in secondary yeah we had a few a few moments of just I want to say idiots um you know who were insecure probably about themselves going through something at home that I don't know what they were going through and chose I guess me as a target in, in certain ways but I I, I kind of again I kept my head down kind of just didn't really engage with it because if you engage then you're feeding the bully and I'm I'm not that kind of person amazing so even though you did note uh, a couple of things or you know a couple of comments or whatever it, particularly in secondary school I'm thinking because we try and you know build on our independence and we're becoming our own person you were still able to stay on your your own lane and crack on which is amazing because I think for a lot of parents myself included um, it's that bullying aspect that you don't have control of and you hope that your child is going to be able to, you know, get through it. And whether that is in an academic sense that they can just crack on with work or just in a social sense that they can, they have the confidence to to be themselves and still get on well with everybody. So that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Those kind of stories, really. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I, when 
those things would happen I, I felt very embarrassed almost to go to my parents and say you know this is happening at school and I don't really want to go in because maybe so-and-so is going to be there or I've got a class with someone that I really don't like or you know I just I didn't want to be that add more worry I think to their place that I, I already knew that they had with with me you know and I as a kid I think that's quite a mature thing to be thinking about you shouldn't really be thinking about what your parents are worrying about you know you should be thinking about when your next gonna have a I don't know ice cream or chocolate you know stuff like that but um I was very aware from a young age of just not wanting to upset my parents you know I think that's a really common thing that I've heard with a lot of cleft affected adults is that they almost have this like sense of knowing that their parents are already doing so much or conscious about lots of things that they don't want to add even more even though it sounds like your parents are like mine you know I know that I could have gone to them but I actually didn't because that was because the cleft wasn't necessarily um you know a, a general conversation it was a very targeted conversation of like don't forget you've got this therapy coming up or that surgery or that that um orthodontic appointment but it wasn't necessarily like oh how are you feeling about that um so I too was very conscious that I didn't want to just continually say oh this person said this or this person pulled their lip up or because yeah. that level as well mm-hmm. yeah I mean I I'm, I was able to and I'm pretty sure they knew when I was down and they knew I mean parents are intuitive isn't it they, they know when you're not feeling yourself and when you live at home, obviously they're going to see you twenty four seven before school and after school, so they're going to know when you're not you're not yourself. So probably in those moments they would probably say, "Are you okay? Has anything happened?" And and then I'd probably say something, but it wasn't like I would go home and just you know blurt it all out. It'd only really be if they asked me. I think. Absolutely. Um, do you wish you didn't done things differently in that respect? Um, I think I do wish I'd probably spoken up a bit more. Maybe I think I I I am the kind of person who tends to just be like, right, I'm gonna take it all on myself. I'm gonna get on with it. You know, either way, you have yourself to fall back on. You haven't got anyone else to kind of have to you know bring that into the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I always knew, like I said, I do have my parents there. They've been so so supportive throughout the whole you know the whole experience which they have to be of course um but I do wish I'd probably have been a bit more assertive and probably spoken up a bit more back then obviously you're a different person 10 years ago to, to who you are now so yeah in hindsight I, I know what I want to instill in my children for that way yeah absolutely so let's jump into um university life university was great what did you study at uni so I studied media and journalism um at university um with a sign of obviously communications it all kind of came together I was in Sussex for three and a half years down in Brighton which I loved I love being by the sea it's, it's one of my favorite um experiences just living in Brighton really it was it was really really nice yeah and um was that your first time away from home um I think it was actually yeah that was probably my first time living away from home I mean I was so excited <laughs> and as you would be at 18 just so excited to kind of get out and then just find yourself well I think I was actually 19 because I took the gap year so yeah I mean I, I was 19 and I was just ready to kind of explore and see who am I without my parents did you ever have any issues at uni in that in those kind of social settings going out to the clubs or the pubs not suggesting that you would do such a thing stuff but if you did (laughs) did you ever have any issues no I mean I think the one thing I do struggle with even even now is actually if we're in a massive group and we're in somewhere that's really loud I find it really hard for myself to be heard in in really big group situations I, I still even to this day I do kind of avoid it if I can and I don't need to go to a bar and someone's like oh let's go to this restaurant which is like super hyper loud just music in the background I can't hear what the other person's saying they definitely can't hear me 
I, I, I think from a young age, I've always painted me in those sort of settings because I know that people can't hear me. So I prefer to not go. And I did do that probably at university a few times. But I did still go out, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Um, but again, great that you've never had those kind of difficult scenarios if people have said anything or um, and to kind of know where you are most comfortable. Again, I think is a really powerful thing um, to be honest. I'd love to go, but actually it's not going to work for me. How about we go to this place instead? Um, you know, I think that's a really powerful and confident thing to be able to do, especially even at 19. It's, um, you know, to kind of say thanks, but no thanks is great. Yeah, yeah so, I think, yeah, back then when I did go out, I remember just thinking, oh my God, I just don't want to be here. I'm just either being ignored or people aren't listening to me, so I can't be bothered to get involved in the conversation. You know, I mean, unless unless there was music when we were going to dancing, I was happy or just drinking. But when it's a social setting, I find it really difficult. It kind of needs to be, I don't know, somewhere just a bit more chill, maybe piano ball <laughs> do you feel like that um you know the the pitch or the kind of volume that you need to get your voice to for to be heard in those situations do you think that's cleft related maybe. yeah maybe especially because of my hearing anyway and I I know that I've not been the most loud person in in a setting family setting because my sister is way louder than me so you know I I mean literally trying to get a word across is difficult so you know it's, it's it's funny but it's just so funny in terms of how opposite in terms of we are but yeah I would probably say that could be a cleverating problem maybe I did have speech and language therapy so I don't know I'm not sure that was years ago so I don't remember that but yeah. Um. So obviously, you mentioned at the start of our conversation, you have just got recently married. Congratulations! We Thank love you. that um, on Instagram. And um, where did you meet your husband? If you don't mind me asking, was he at you? Oh, no. So we actually met pre-COVID, twenty nineteen. Uh. So that's like what four years ago now. Um. In on a dating app. Yeah. On a dating app. I I had just come back from my year abroad in Cyprus. I was living out there and working for a year, just to improve my Greek and also just to improve kind of. Finding myself a bit more. I think I, again, I just come out of a breakup. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I want to move on with my life, and if I'm going to do it while I'm single, I can, you know. So I did. And when I came back, I was again looking for a job, and, and you know, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life now. What 26, 27, and yeah, we met on the dating app. On he was one of the last, probably the last people I actually wanted to even meet. By this point, I was done with the apps. I was done with talking and meeting guys and just having that kind of just no nowhere you know going nowhere with with the conversation whereas yeah our conversation flowed so yeah so is he local to you is he somebody that um you know lives up the country but obviously it was convenient because it was covid and it didn't matter at the time how did that it was was pre-covid so it was 2019 or so i think it was september 2019 this was before everything went down so we kind of had a bit of normality in our relationship before you know the 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 COVID years as you would say and yeah he was actually from South London and I'm from Northwest so it was totally opposite end city but both of us were always in Central London we were always you know kind of finding things to meet up and things like that so Central London was like our hub anyway so it kind of worked out well I love that um so obviously um you and I have already discussed this and obviously we've discussed sort of sensitivities around um trying to conceive and things and and children are children in your ideal future yeah definitely I think especially obviously now turning 30 you do start thinking in a different way 
um, into a different decade of your life. We've talked about it, it's on the cards, not sure when, but it's kind of, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's not like a, a big deal, but we're not like, you know. Obviously, you know, mine and Will's situation, I was so unaware that there was potentially any sort of link from me to Will, and I was mortified that that wasn't even on my radar. Um, I think possibly because... I was always made to feel that my cleft wasn't an issue and therefore think about it when we were trying to conceive. Um, Is the idea of you potentially passing on a cleft anything that would put you off from having children? I think, I'll be honest, 10 years ago, yes. I think um, I was in a very different headspace. I think I just had the jaw operation and I was just thinking, my God, I don't know if I could do this again as a parent, you know, doing it as a person who's gone through it. Obviously, it's a different story but then when you're the parent and you're the one that's outside of the operating theatre and not in the operating theatre I think that's a big difference I I did have that thought running through my mind but then at the same time you have to think well who else is probably the most equipped and the most experienced to be able to tell and and be there for their, their child in the future so really I think now it's not really an issue to me I think maybe 10 years ago when I was going through what I was going through yet but now it's a, it's a, I just see it as an opportunity to to grow and, and hopefully pass on some kind of wisdom. You and your husband have that have that conversation. Yeah, we have definitely. I mean, again, for both of us, I don't think it would be an issue. I mean, when we first started dating, I think on the first date, I told him I had a cleft. Mm-hmm. This is what it is about. You know, if you if you're not happy with that, that's up to you. That's who I am. I was very very forward with it and I wanted to be you know up front from the beginning because it's not something to hide. It's obviously there. You can see that there's a scar on my face. I'm not gonna run shy away from it um but I, I just see it as an opportunity to educate people if they've never heard of it before here I am to tell you what what it is and that I you know have come through all of this but for the better so yeah and it's not I think to some extent we kind of like resort back into that kind of childhood state of like to someone feeling like ashamed or embarrassed and you kind of think you know I don't want to feel like this but then I also feel like I need to tell people about it so then they can make those decisions but the way that you've approached it and said you know this is who I am take it or leave it is again like a really powerful and confident standpoint um has your other half so your husband wouldn't have been around when you've been through any surgeries or anything then no no I had just I think by that point I was completely finished I haven't had any um surgeries since um there's been talks of possibly taking grommets out um so I've still got them in there but they are kind of falling out so maybe they might have to go in there again um you know take them out but I don't think I want to put them back in just because I think it's not good for you to keep putting them in and out at Mm -hmm. a certain age because the ear just doesn't heal as much as it used to so I think yeah we haven't had to to go through anything yet but I think yeah it would probably be it was quite emotional, I think, for him to go through it. Because my parents have done it. They, they're used to it. I don't think he's ever had that, that thing to deal with. But, you know, I know he'd be there. Oh, because um, funnily enough, I was just about to say, have you got anything else on the horizon that you are looking to do medically? Not that I think that you need to, of course, but just, you know, thinking about husband, maybe sort of seeing you go through that process and things. I don't want to, I'll be honest. I think I'm, I'm done. I'm, I've am i had my fair share of being in the hospital and uh, dealing with all of that. I, I think I'm, I'm personally happy with how how I look and I think you have to kind of get to a point where you're happy because if you're constantly wanting to change things you're not going to find any kind of happiness in in the aesthetic side of things you have to see it in yourself if you're not happy with who you are it's not going to help just doing the aesthetic side of things you know I think you have to work from within but being outside yeah. yeah Absolutely. Um, and I think you're amazing proof as somebody who's social, always smiling, happy, 
as you are you know being the person that you are and I think a lot of that like you say comes from within and so that was like the amazing perfect like little pearl of wisdom for people who are cleft affected but have you got anything else that you would either recommend to somebody who's cleft affected or say to them or if you had the opportunity to speak to you know 13 year old staff like is there anything that you would say to somebody who is cleft affected I think yeah definitely I would I would say be careful of what you're taking in mainstream media wise social media wise just be more conscious of of what you're what you're consuming I think because we're on our phones so much now it is so easy to be I don't know almost kind of pushed into a box and then like oh why why do I not look like this or like that like for example I am a big podcast fan I enjoy kind of just working and listening to new things everyone in my ears so that I can kind of learn I guess from other people other drops of wisdom you know I I enjoy enjoy that I do think following collect accounts are super important supporting other people who are in social media world um, who have a collect is really important and, and I also think being able to raise awareness and to to really get it stuck in there and telling your story is important. So I think, you know, I would probably say maybe keep a journal of what you've gone through, maybe after each operation. You don't need to put pictures in there. Maybe some people would, but I personally, I'm very happy I don't have any pictures after my um, operation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would probably just say be careful of what you're consuming, be aware and just kind of see if it's if it's actually helping you or is it serving you or is it not really serving that headspace in your mind absolutely um so then on the flip side have you got any recommendations or any kind of approaches that you would say are best or worked well for you um for our parents of cleft affected individuals yeah I mean as in podcasts is that what you mean or anything so you know whether that's an approach um to their young person being cleft affected or um whether they should um you know be mindful about certain things or um I think you know what I I threw myself into drama and theatre at secondary school and I actually ended up getting a scholarship to go to a theatre school on the weekend um when I was probably I don't know, 11, 12. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But that's where I grew my confidence. I have to say that's kind of where it came from being able to play a different character and getting praised for, I don't know, my American accent, or, you know, just in general, being able to embody someone that isn't just the person who has the Knefnikin planet. I think it's sometimes nice to kind of get your kids to really get into something different that maybe you wouldn't have chosen yourself as well and see if they like it if they don't enjoy dance classes fair enough if they don't enjoy theater try something else maybe they prefer I don't know um making model I don't know cards or something like that you know there's, there's, there's I just think getting them away from their phones away from the social media away from looking at other people and thinking that's how I should look I think get them using their hands more that's what I think and then expressing themselves more and I think as well um when you join these kind of extracurricular I don't know why I really struggled to say that extracurricular activities it puts you on a level playing field as well the only thing that you can compare in these different uh situations is how um good or how well you work with the next person or how your back walkovers might be nearly just as good as the other person's but you're actually you know it's it's not then about appearance or cleft it's about who you are in that kind of scenario so I think that's really healthy sort of approach as well yeah definitely I just think I have had such a big help from obviously my parents who kind of again they kind of just left me to it they let me do what I wanted to do and what I enjoyed doing so they were very much you know 
on board with whatever I, I wanted to do, which is really nice. Some parents probably aren't as like, you know, they want them to go in an academic way, but I think um, being supported is the main thing. Just be supportive, just be there. Yeah, absolutely um so if you could say anything to your mum right now what would you say to her yeah um, I am I don't even know you know funny enough I had her here for the whole weekend so she's been loving life at um at my house for a change but I would probably say I think obviously thank you for everything that, that you have done for me in my in my lifetime um and to my dad as well because I think you know both both of them have really pulled together when it could have gone probably either way you never know when that big of a situation comes up into both of your lives mm. um but yeah definitely just thank you and I appreciate it and yeah I'm gonna repay them in some way absolutely. don't know how but I will one day <laughs> one day absolutely so Stav thank okay. you much thank you and there you go that is my interview done with Stav um I apologize for the terrible ending let's blame my editing skills but if you liked this episode if you took anything away from it um if you want to show stav some love please like share comment follow all of that good stuff and i'll see you in the next episode very soon